A strong work ethic takes pride in a job well done, sweats over the details.
WSJU Radio DJ Mad Max on air here. We have a very, very special guest calling in on the phone lines at WSJU Radio. One of the greatest R&B groups of all time and vocalist producer, Mr. Dalvin. Mr. Dalvin, how are you doing tonight? Yeah, 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 what's good, man? No, I appreciate you calling in tonight. Huge fan of Jodeci. Love all your records and albums, Forever My Lady, Diary of a Mad Band, the show, The After Party, and that that, that album is a classic to me, and I'm just it's just an honor to have you on tonight. Appreciate it, man. It's an honor to be here. Yeah. Um, so I just want to get into a few things. Um, what music did you grow up listening to and were inspired to to make you want to do music? Uh, well, you know, I grew up, I grew up in a, a gospel home. Like, you know, my parents are both pastors. So, you know, we... The basic, you know, we listened to a lot of Winans, Commission, the Hawkins family, records that people probably know we were really young. So, you know, growing up, we just, you know, incorporated that with, with you know, listening to Prince and Michael Jackson, The Temptations, The Commodores, you know, you know, and a lot of rock music too as well. So, like, you know, Chicago, you know, it, it, the list goes on, you know what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah, because a lot of people usually, like, growing up, they listen to just the R&B soul growing up. The fact that you're diverse with Chicago, that's not something I would have expected you told me that you listened to, so that's oh, impressive. Oh, yeah, so they go a lot different in Chicago. You know, we go way back. Yeah. Like, it, you probably heard of, but, you know, it, it was a mix of everything. You know, it was like a melting pot of just good music, period. We wasn't just stuck to, like, just the, the R&B. Like, even my parents, my dad, you know, he was on a white TV show, so, you know, we heard all that type of music, too, so we just, it, everything was everything. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's, that's interesting. I did not know that. And now yeah. we all know that your brother is Devontae, now, Absolutely. when did you two start uh, writing music and wanting to uh, do your music careers? Uh, well, like I said, my dad, like, uh, I started off playing drums with my dad. I was six years old. My dad was, uh, he, he was on a TV show called uh, 700 Club. So, you know, Devontae, you know, he played, Devontae played every instrument except the drums. <laughs> and so, um, you know, we would just make up songs for my dad, and, you know, my dad would write and we just start writing, you know, gospel songs for my dad, coming up with melodies and everything. So it really started at a young, young age. You know, uh, mm. you know, back then you had, you know, you had Jim Baker and Tammy Faye Baker, who are way back in the 700. So we played drums for her. I mean, we played, you know, we was her daughter's band, her daughter's band, and you know, we just been writing music for everybody ever since then. You know. Mm. Now, when did you figure out that you wanted to take this seriously? What's if was there a song that was like, wow, we should really take this seriously, and people reacted to you like a performance? What was it that people that made you decide? I mean, it was, it was always it was always serious, you know. Even even back then, it was always serious. Like music is something that, you know, is it, the, the the priority in my my household. So it was always taken serious, you know. As growing up, you know, we just we didn't know we could do it like you know on a level that we did it on, but it was always taken serious, even in gospel music. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So now, you two formed, and you you're from Virginia, but you moved to North Carolina. Is that correct? Yeah, North Carolina at a really young age. We were born in Virginia. Me and Devontae both were born in Hampton, Virginia. Then moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, where we were raised at. And uh, at what age did you uh, guys come to New York and meet uh, Casey and JoJo? Well, we actually met Casey and JoJo in North Carolina. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're all from North Carolina. You know, we all met, uh, I think I was 12 when I met Casey and JoJo, 12 or 13. You know, Devontae and JoJo formed formed the group, and later me and Casey joined the group. But, uh... You know, we we all went to New York. I think I was uh, just turning 16, 16 years old. Mm-hmm. Now, what was it like meeting them for the first time? <laughs> it was bizarre. It was really, really bizarre. 
it's really bizarre. And, uh, you know, the story's been told a couple of times. Now it's going to be put into a film. So, you know, if you don't know the story, you got to just wait. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to let the audience know. I've heard the, the backstory before on interviews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah, It's really interesting, man. But, you know, the, the, the short of the story is um, it was a gospel girl group named uh, Unity back in the day where they, they lived in Charlotte. And, uh, you know, Devontae's date one of the girls in the group, and Casey was also. And they kind of was like, you know, you guys are two talented set of brothers, and y'all can meet. Because, we, you know, we always heard about Casey and JoJo, and uh, they always heard about us. Mm-hmm. You know, the Haley brothers and the great brothers, and we never got a chance to really meet, but they brought us together, and you know, you know, long story short, it's, it's history after that. You know. Yeah. Now, when did you guys finally decide like we should collaborate and form a group known as the Legendary Jodeci? Well, actually, the the first night that we met, uh, Devontae and JoJo came together and said we should form a group. Me and Casey, we didn't get along. Ultimately, we became best friends in the group, but we didn't get along, so we didn't want no parts of it. So, you know, it wasn't really a name for the group. It was just Devontae and JoJo writing songs, you know, but Devontae writing songs and JoJo just singing some melodies for them. And, you know, they started recording every day, and, you know, then eventually we all started hanging together every day and blah, 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 you know, and started making music together. Now, the the title Jodeci, now, is that how they say, that, like, I've heard from, heard stories that you all took your name and just put it in the one name. How, how did that go when creating the name? Well, I mean, you know, like I said, once again, it was Devontae's vision, like, you know, we're going to be called Jodeci because, you know, it was, it was JoJo, Devontae, and KC. And I, and I wasn't even a part of the group, you know, until we was on the way to New York. I was like, that name is dope. I just want Mr. Dalvin because Mr. Dalvin was my name when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. He was calling me Mr. Dalvin because they said I was actually really grown and beyond my years. And so they called me Mr. Dalvin. I was like, I just want to keep that name. So, you know, I was like, you know, I'll join a group. So it was Jodeci. Hmm, that's interesting. That's yeah. it's very interesting. Now, you're also a producer vocalist for Jodeci. Now, what's what was it like? being a producer slash vocalist for the group, what's it like? Um, you know, well, it, it, it's, it's, it's cool because everybody brings something different to the table as far as Jodeci. Everybody has, you know, what people really don't know, it's, it's like, you know, we all have to put in our input to make Jodeci. It's not one particular person that's role is more important than the next. We all put in and we create the magic that, you know, that comes out. And, you know, people say, I want to create the Jodeci sound. I want to create the Jodeci sound, but you can't create the Jodeci sound without Jodeci. And I, you know, people come close and they, they they try to duplicate what we've done. But you know, we have our we have a special way that we record. Every time we go in the studio, it's a, a certain formula that we use and it works for us. So it's just like you know, we there's no particular way that we do it. It's just a formula. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like cooking your favorite meal. You don't do it the same every time, but it always comes out good. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Kind of like that. It's very rare to see a vocalist slash producer in this case, and um, you're you're very gifted. I want to congratulate you on that Thank for that, uh, giving us great music for years and classic albums that will always be remembered. And now, what do you do? You prefer? Do you prefer being a vocalist or do you prefer being a producer? What do you like better? I like performing. <laughs> you like performing. <laughs> I like performing, but you know, I mean, like to me, I think like like producing and 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 recording. It's a, it's a major part of it, but you know, it's like after you do that, it's like you get to show the product off, and like then on stage you're showing off what you did, you know, after you slaved in the studio for 14 hours a day, and you know, then you get to show it off. It's like you know, going there, creating a masterpiece, and letting the world see it. After you know, they don't get to see the the blood, sweat, and tears that go into actually making the product. Mm-hmm. They get to see the finished product, and that's just what performing is when you can bring the songs to life. 
you know, they sound good on the radio and on the record, but when you get on stage, you bring them to life, and it adds a, a whole different dimension of what that song means, mm -hmm. you know? Now, when was your first guy's performance? Do you remember what? where was your first big performance or your first performance in general? What was it like? At, at Jodeci, it was a place called Jack the Rapper, where all the, it was like a music convention in Atlanta. They're all new artists to go to, and they kind of like it's kind of like the battle of the bands or the battle of the new artists. And I remember uh, they put us on at like maybe like two o'clock in the morning when everybody, you know, everybody in the convention was like tired. It's like, we got in this, you know, I know, I know, BBD had performed in one room, and you know, he had a lot of new groups that were coming out. You know, BBD had been out, there was like the headliners of one, one room, and because we we're all on the same label, you know, MCA, Black Uptown MCA. You know, they were MCA, so they were MCA's highlight of the night. And Jodeci was like the, the after like the last, you know, when everybody's been drinking champagne and upsetting everybody, we're gonna throw Jodeci on. And we came on with the with the yellow rain jackets on, and we was in the combat boots, and nobody knew what the hell was going on. <laughs> and after, and after, after that, we was the most talked about thing in the convention. Everybody was wondering, who is this Jodeci? Who is this Jodeci? And they pronounced my name Jodeci, Jodeci. <laughs> so it was. It was, it was Definitely, one of the iconic groups. You can tell blood, sweat, and tears are in every performance, every song, every album. And now your first album with the group Forever My Lady. Now, how was that in the process of creating? What went into that? One more time. I, I oh, the, you, the first album Forever My Lady. How, how? What was it like create creating that album and putting it together? Devontae wrote most of the, the majority of the album, you know, at a young age, and he had wrote some songs a long time ago. And, uh, you know, we, when we got to New York, they didn't understand the type of R&B that we were bringing to the table because it was something new. Although it was old to us, it was new to everybody else. It was, you know, the big harmonies, and we were so young, and we sounded so, you know, so mature, and, you know, and they didn't get it. So, uh, you know, the songs were written, and it, we got in the studio, it was different being in the major studio by ourselves because we, we were like the first and probably the only self-contained group like we produce we write we play all our own instruments we arrange all our own vocals arrange all our own harmony so we they never saw a self-contained group i guess at such a young age so they stuck in the studio without any guidance really just an engineer and you know the record label will come by they didn't understand how we were recording and how we were you know coming out with this product so they you know they didn't understand it so it was kind of like a, a tug of war between us and the label in the beginning. And then they just like, you know, we're going to just let y'all do what we do. If we put it out of its own head, then that's what it's going to be. Mm -hmm. So they kind of stepped away and let us do our own thing, man, to be honest with you. Now, how, how old were you guys when you were signed to the label? Oh, man, I, I wouldn't even sign my contract. I forgot my mother's name on it. <laughs> she wasn't signed. Sign I think I was, what, 15, about the time 16, when we first got to New York. Yeah. Wow. So she You're... wasn't going to sign it, so... You guys were living the dream at a young age. Wow. Yeah, I mean, but you know, a lot of people think it was just handed to us, but it was a lot of work. Like, you know, we got to New York, we set for a long time. You know, we set in the projects, you know, you coming from, you know, middle class North Carolina where, you know, living with cheap and moved to the, the ghetto of, of, of New York, it was kind of like a culture shock, but it taught us a lot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we bonded as a group, even closer as friends. So it was a good learning experience, mm -hmm. you know. Now, Forever My Lady, if people don't know, I'm sure they know, some of the hit songs off there, Stay, Come and Talk to Me, Forever My Lady. Now, what made you decide to name this album Forever My Lady? That's a good question. That's a very good question. Uh, 
very good question. I don't think I've ever been asked that question before. Wow. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I really I can't even remember, to be honest with you. Mm. I don't know why we ended up with that name. Because I knew that was the initial name of the album that we had. And I don't know why. I have to do some research. And go back <laughs> That's a very good question. That's a very good question. Um, I actually want to know that. I actually want, I actually want to know the answer too. I want to. I want to look that up and figure out why we named it that. <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah, I just wanted to know why it was named that because that's also one of the hit songs off of the album. And and to be honest, that wasn't even the name of that song first. It wasn't called that. My lady, that wasn't the name of the song. The what? name of the song is Jodeci. Oh. Because it was a, it was an anthem for Jodeci and it turned into Sorry, My Lady. So hmm. I don't think that's why we named it that, but that it turned into that. That that's very interesting. It was called When You Think of Love, that's Jodeci. So it was like almost like an interview that we turned into that song. I never knew that. That's something new I learned here from the interview. See, there you go. You you, you ask me something, and I gotta learn something new. I taught you something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning more. I'm just putting it in my uh, a mental note in my mind to that. Uh, Forever, my lady was originally the Jodeci song. Interlude. Wow. Interlude, wow. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what was your favorite song off of this album? Off of Forever My Lady? Yeah. Uh, Come and Talk to Me, actually. Come and Talk to Me? I th- I believe that turned, th- it was the anniversary on March 10th, I believe, yesterday. I, I, I think I saw something like that. Yeah, I saw something on Twitter about that, and I was like, well, how ironic. I'm interviewing you, and I, I opened up the show with that. Definitely a classic. Great song. Great song. Definitely, and then you went. There's a remix too, as well, in which you were hooked up with Puff Daddy and Bad Boy. Is that right? Yeah, well, you know, Diddy actually did the remix, which which uh, took that song to another level. Uh, the hip hop remix. Uh, Diddy did that with you know one of the producers from Bad Boy at the time, and you know really put the song out the, the, the beginning of hip hop remixes. You know, we called them remix because we actually we, we remade the whole song. So. It was, it was, you know, the first hip-hop remix with, uh, we had Fat Doug rapping on the song. He was the artist on Uptown at the time. So, yeah, they kind of, like, merged the two, the actual hip-hop and R&B. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's where that term was coined from. Now, what was it like working with Puff Daddy? He's a great visionary. I mean, you know, people try to say, well, Puff don't play instruments, he don't do this, but Puff is talented. Like, mm-hmm. to me, you know, he's like the Quincy Jones of hip-hop. Like, you know, he don't really have to be... So people think when they think producer, you have to play instruments, but a producer is also somebody that coordinates the production of any project, and that's what Puff was. You know, he, he knew how what pieces to put together to make things work. You know, he knew how mm-hmm. to motivate us to to be what we could, you know, the best that we could be at times when we would, you know, ready to be like, ah, oh, man, it's too much. But, you know, he knew how to, to bring that together, to tie the right people together. You know, if you look at his track record, including Mary Lou Blige, Faith Evans, Biggie, he knew how to take the C talent. You know, to me, that's a talent in itself. You know, yeah. for all these other artists and even these bad boy labels. So he was a great visionary. I give him that. You know, hands down, one of the, one of the greatest. I agree. Everyone, any artist who I have interviewed that has done a song with Puff Daddy have told me he's a great visionary. So it's definitely a trend here. Absolutely. I feel like Diddy needs to get uh, more respect. Because everyone's looking up to, like, the producers are in the game now, but you got to always remember and thank Diddy for what he did for hip-hop and R&B. Absolutely, absolutely. Diddy is one of the all-time greats. Now, getting back to your albums, we move on to your second album, 
Diary of a Mad Band, which is also a great classic album by Jodeci. Now, what was it like putting this album together as your second album? Diary of Mad Band, letting the people know the hits off this, Cry For You, Fiendin, a great song, and I also love You Got It. I think that's my personal favorite off this album, and I love Red Man on this. Right. What was it like working with Red Man? Red Man was good. I mean, you know, he was, he was good. He was good. Uh, he came in, and he was like, you know, well, he he, wanted, he bought a break beat that we got in the song that he bought, like, a little sample, and he wanted to rap over top of the break beat, and we put it in, in the song. When he when he came on, I forgot what break it was, but he brought himself, and he was really fun, a lot of fun, a lot of fun in the studio. Definitely, he, he definitely has the energy in his songs. Yeah, de- definitely, definitely. You can notice that. Yeah. I also want to mention that um, you've won many Billboard awards as well as Soul Train Music awards as well. Four Billboards, two Soul Trains, and I want to congratulate you on that. Thank you. And I want to tell you the Grammys don't matter. Because and because people always tell me in the hip hop community, R and B community, Grammy doesn't matter because we all know it. Does, it just never matters to me. Like I, I don't even watch it. Right. I mean, but you know, at, at the same time, you get disappointed because uh, you, as an artist, you want the politics sometimes just be out the music and let the music speak for itself. You mm-hmm. know, be rewarded for what you've done and what you've accomplished, not because some people that don't know anything about musicians or artists or music can sit there and vote and try to judge how good the music is. I mean, it, it doesn't matter, but it bothers me that it's a political thing when it shouldn't be. It should be what you've done and how good the music is. Mm-hmm. If you want to be fair, but it's not fair. So you, you choose to accept it. I mean, it doesn't define who Jodeci is. It doesn't define the theme, the body of work that we've created. So it's not really a big deal. But it does bother me. That's like a great actor or actress not being nominated for an Oscar. Does it really make or break his career? No, sometimes it hurts his career. Sometimes once you get an Oscar, it's like a curse. You've reached the pinnacle and you don't... You never get nominated again. So it really doesn't matter. But it does trouble you sometimes that that you're not recognized mm-hmm. for the things you've accomplished by people that sometimes, quote-unquote, are the people that really say this is what matters. If you get a grant, which we know it doesn't really matter. No. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, you know, like, we've done we've done, and we, we, we did, you know, a lot of things in and for music. And that's what it is, man, you know. Mm-hmm. Recognize it or you don't. Now, what was your favorite song off of your second studio album, Diary of a Mad Band? I got, I got two, and I'm kind of biased for one, but one is Cry For You. I have no idea, because I'm not really a mushy person, but <laughs> I really like that song. And the other one is Won't Waste You, the one I did, I introduced Misty, Misty Elliott. Um, oh, that's right. 
Yeah, and you also uh, founded Missy Elliott. How did you find her? Um, uh, long story short, we our first tour date, uh, our first world tour, which was Joe the Boys and Men and MC Hammer. Our first stop was in Hampton, Virginia, our actual hometown that we grew up in, and uh, they're from Virginia Beach, or Virginia somewhere around there. And uh, at the end of the night for the show, you know, they, she snuck on our hotel floor. Missy did with her group. She was with a group called. Uh, Got the name at the time, but they changed the sister later in the years. But she snuck on our hotel floor and said, "Hey, hey, Mr. Dalvin, uh, uh, can you listen to my group?" And I looked, and they didn't really look the part of a group. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, "Yeah, absolutely." You know, they 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 went through all the trouble finding themselves on our floor, which was heavily guarded and secured. But I was like, yeah, "Absolutely." So when Missy started singing and rapping, and she was like pop locking and everything, I was like. I didn't know what it was, but I knew she had something special. I said, nah, this chick is special. She didn't look like a typical rapper or, or a singer or nothing, but she had something special. So mm-hmm. I went down the hallway and I got the box. I said, man, come check these girls out. And he came and checked them out. And, you know, from then on, it was with it. Mm-hmm. Many classics. Is, many she classics from her. Timberland. She brought Timberland along. You know, became a big family. Became turned to the basement, ultimately, after that. Mm-hmm. That's right. And you mentioned Cry For You before. I think Drake mentioned Jodeci Cry For You in one of his songs. I forget what song it was on, but I believe it was on his Views album. Yeah, he, I mean, he, um, he mentioned Jodeci a lot. I mean, you know, I heard he was a fan of Jodeci. I've heard, like, he redid um, My Heart Belongs To You. I heard, he, I mean, I heard the sample he did, My Heart Belongs To You. Then he got the song with uh, J. Cole, Jodeci's Back, Screaming Like Jodeci's Back, the freestyle. That's right. I mean, you know, he's, he's a big fan. I mean, I'm a big fan of Drake, too, so... You know, it's cool to be recognized and even listen to, like, Cardi B mention Joe Bruno Burst. That's right. V- v- meant, uh, Reese, that's recently. Right, the one with uh, Bruno Mars. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's cool to, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that, you know, real artists and real musicians will take time and do the history of, of what people talk about and where the sounds they're getting or, what, what, you know, where the sound originates from or blah, blah, blah. And it's cool to, to you know, hear those types of things. It's really, it's really cool. That's what I respect about certain artists. And then there's things I don't respect about certain artists because I feel like they don't com- go back and do that research and acknowledge the greats that paved the way for them. And in right. this case, Cardi B and Drake are acknowledging that you guys paved the way for the newer artists, such right. as themselves. Right. Which I really respect. Right. So, I mean, you know, it's, I mean, it's like, you know, like I said, people like, you know, when is real music coming back? When is this and this and that, blah, blah, blah. So to me, like if if that's music to the generation that's now, then I can't knock the way they feel about the artists that they have. But me, being an artist, you know, coming up, I went back and and looked at and read the the blueprints and looked at the blueprints of the artists that came before me that paved the way that you know that that wrote songs and took time and structured you know their their the the way they you know produced and wrote and blah blah blah. And that's what we did. And, and I think that artists like that would be around for a long time. Hmm. You know, I I agree. Now, the, your next album, third studio album, the show, The After Party, The Hotel, also a classic, which everyone's favorite, I believe, is Freaking You. Right. This one definitely embodies the baby-making music of R&B. Right. I would, I'm, I'm putting the mark on that. This is definitely a classic album, and it, 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 de- it definitely, like, I don't know, like, Every Jodeci album to me has a different style on it. Like the first one had like um like a new jack swing 
uh, vibe to it. And then the second album was like, like you said, more like West Coasty. And then this one's more like smooth R and B. Like, there's something about this. I, like these three albums to me are just three of the greatest albums I've ever listened to. Well, the the, the show that I was a part of the hotel. I mean, it was exactly what it was. It was a lot of shows, a lot of parties, and a lot of hotels. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, I mean, it's exactly what it was. It's, you know, we we was going and we was riding the high being able to see how much people appreciated the, the you know the music and just having fun making you know it wasn't stressful it was just a carefree time and we just had fun just coming up with different concepts and different ideas and, and actually being able to have a lot of freedom to to make the, you know the record that we really want to make and mm-hmm. you know not care what people thought and, and you know and you know i know we have a good time doing it so it made it really really cool to, to do that that record and, and it came at a time with which is funny when hip hop was really the predominant force on the radio. Mm-hmm. You know, you had Biggie coming through with the, you know, you had the whole Bad Boy camp coming through. So R&B was kind of like taking a back seat. And I remember we released Freaking You, and you know, people didn't really understand it at first. You know, and it wasn't that they didn't like it; they didn't really understand it because it was such a uh, a a flip to what Jodeci was known for. And I I. Uh, I called Devontae, I said, I got an idea, you know, to, to, to kind of marry these two worlds together where we kind of like in between. Because people, you know, you got rappers that respect Jodeci, you got R&B lovers that respect Jodeci. How do we bring the two worlds together? Because it's so diverse in our fan base. And I went and I did the freaking remix. With, with Raekwon, that's right. Right. So in, uh, originally, Method Man was supposed to be on that remix, but he was in Japan. And I spoke to RZA. I said, I want to get Method Man on the remix. I got an idea for this thing we just released called Freaking You. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, well, I got two new guys at the time, Ray Kwan and Ghostface wasn't out. He said, because Method Man was in Japan. So they came to the studio and we knocked it out. And that it, it brought the life back to the original version and it, you know, it skyrocketed after that. So Now, what was it like working with Ray Kwan and Ghostface Kid? Because those were my two, oh, two I, idols of mine for hip hop. The Freaking You remix is definitely an underrated classic, and I think Raekwon even says in the song, Wu-Tang and Jodeci's, like, cousins. Cousins, yeah. That's one of the lines in, in his, uh, uh, yeah. One, one of his verses, that's one of the lines. Yeah, th- I, that's a classic song, as well as the original Freaking You. Um, I like Let's Do It All. That's also a great song off the show, The After Party, The Hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Can We Flow is a great one, Pump It Back. Uh, what are your personal favorites off this album? Um. Uh. Well, like once again, I gotta be biased. I mean, get on up is my favorite. Just so get I'm on up, yeah. That's you know, another yeah, one. Yeah, you know, but you know, I, I actually the song was it was meant for something else, and I was like, you know, this would be a good way to break the song, to break the album up, and uh, you know, it was kind of it was more happy than the rest of the songs. Other songs were kind of dark and like you said, sexual, which which we you know shot for. But get on up was more like a a ray of light for a second. Like, you know, waking up after having that apartment, open the blinds, see a hotel and the sun come in. You know, you're getting up, and that's just, that's just what it was. Mm-hmm. It's one of those types of records, so. 
Now, you also, there was also a time period where you worked with Tupac, Death Row, and Suge Knight. Now, what year did this come into the picture? Because I know you had something to do with uh, How Do You Want It. Right. Uh, the year exactly, I can't be certain. I mm -hmm. don't want to misquote it, but it was 94, 95, 96, mm -hmm. 97, I don't know. In the 90s, I don't know when it was. Mm-hmm. The whole death off of uh, All Eyes on Me. Now, what was it like in, being in the studio with Tupac? Mm, unpredictable is the way I can describe it. Mm. Unpredictable. Um, great, but unpredictable. Mm -hmm. you, know, you, you just never knew what, what was going to occur. It was a good experience. Now, I, now, how did you lay the vocals in? Now, were you part of the production for this track as well? Well, Actually, Johnny J, a guy named Johnny J, you know, rest in peace. He, he did the actual track, the beginning track. Mm -hmm. And Pac bought it to me. I was standing at, uh, in uh, West Hollywood, and he bought me a cassette tape. And he said, hey, man, I uh, got this record, this idea. I want, you know, for Jodeci on the record. And he bought bought the, the record to my hotel room, and he was, you know, he played a cassette. And I was like, yeah, that sounded dope. He was singing the hook, actually. It was a different verses, and he, he was singing the hook. The hook was the same. But he's like, nah, I, you know, I don't like my voice on it, which is what he said. And I said, man, you sound dope on it, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I called Casey and Dope. I was like, man, you know, Pop wanted to do a record, record with him. So we all went to Can-Am Studios, and, you know, they, they didn't really have a mix, the record mix, the mix. So I started mixing with the engineer, you know, put some, a couple of breaks. But I mixed the vocals and stuff for him, and we laid the vocals, and, and that was that. And he, and he went back after that and changed his verse. Wow, I didn't, I didn't know that. Now, for people who don't know, Tupac was actually doing like the the ad libs in the back. Was it in the background of the that he was doing the How Do You Want? Is that what it was? Well, no, no. I, on the hook, that's him singing the low. No, he wanted me to take his voice out, but I kept it because it had that really eerie, you know, that Tupac low baritone voice, and I, it sounded good. Mm -hmm. So I blended in, you know, I blended in with the harmonies, and I kept his voice on the record. You know. Oh, okay. He's like, man, take my voice out. I'm like, nah, your voice sounds really good on it because it added that element of what mm -hmm. Tupac was in the record. So I kept it. Mm -hmm. Just think, Jodeci has had many gems in the industry, including one off of Tupac's "All Eyes on Me," as well as their own albums as well. Now, who hooked you up with Tupac? Was it Suge Knight that was the one that reached out to you? Well, I knew Tupac from New York. You know, okay. he never had a working relationship, but I knew him from New York. Like, I knew Pac from, you know, when he was on the East Coast before, you know, a lot of the, the things happened. And uh, we got re reconnected, you know, still reconnected us once he got to Death Row, because me and Devontae was doing a lot of work for Death Row and, you know, you know writing and stuff, producing with Death Row. And when Pac came, you know, he, he wanted to connect the, you know, connect the dots, you know. So it wasn't like, you know, we just met Pac for the first time. Like, I knew him back from the East Coast. Yeah, he was, he was originally from the East Coast, which a lot of people may not realize because he took over the West Coast uh, title right. and embodied the West Coast culture, even though he was right. from here, from the East mm -hmm. Coast. Now, um, th there was rumors, too, I read online that Suge Knight wanted to sign Jodeci and Mary J. Blige. Is that a true uh, statement? Um, uh, well, Suge felt like, at the time, we were being unfairly treated in the industry mm -hmm. you know and him coming saying I'm going to take you guys from you know Uptown or, or MCA or whatever he never said that he just said you know you guys always know it's somewhere for you guys to come if you feel like you know you want to be treated fair because I feel like you guys are being you know unfairly treated and that's just that was just a stance on a lot of artists because Shit was really passionate about his artists 
you know, no matter what, you know, people say about, you know, about Joe, mm -hmm. he's really passionate about, you know, artists and, and being treated the way he thought they should be treated. They were being treated unfairly. Mm -hmm. You know, that was my experience. Now, I don't know everybody else's experience or feels, but that was mine. You know, we bumped heads, we bumped heads a couple of times, but overall, you know, he was, he was brilliant in his thinking. Mm -hmm. You know, so... Now working with Suge Knight and Puff Daddy, what what are the differences between Suge and Puff Daddy, like in their vision for music? What was their visions? I think Puff is more involved in the creativity. Mm -hmm. Suge is more involved in the business. Not saying Puff is not a businessman, but he he gets his hands mixed up in the creative the creative process as well. Mm. You know, Suge Knight will come in the studio and tell you to record vocals or try this again, do this again. He's gonna expect you to go in there and come out with something dope. If he thinks you're a brilliant artist, then you should go in there and be able to come out with something brilliant. And you know, Puff likes to get in and mix it up and give you, you know, uh, try this right here, try it like this, sing it like this, rap it like this. You know, that's the difference. He's more of a creative visionary, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, Chip was more like, you know, I'm gonna be in my office when y'all finish, bring me the record, you know, bring me the song, let yeah. me hear. <laughs> you know, so that's more like Chip's stance. Now, after this point. After the show, the after party, the hotel, um, you guys broke up. Was that how it went? And then they did Casey and JoJo form their own duo. Yeah. Well, I think that's a misconception. Jodeci never broke up. Oh, wow. Jodeci never broke up. We just, you know, stopped putting out records. We, we, I mean, we still record records when we're in each other's presence. We're going to the studio and just drop something, and, you know, just to be in the studio. But we just, everybody had different ideas. You know, everybody had different ideas at the time. And it just it happens like that in every group. You know, you always gonna have your own ideas, and you're gonna always want to pursue what your ideas are. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's you know it's individually, and it don't work collectively. So you go do what you gotta do. It doesn't mean that you break up and you know you hate each other, or you just go do what you feel like you know you want to do in your life. Sometimes when you achieve a certain level of success, you feel like okay, let me try something. Let me try this. Let me try that. Let me try this. And you know most people think oh they don't like each other, they hate each other, or they broke up, or blah blah blah. And, you know, you, you're a family. You're going to have ups and downs. You're going to have fights. You're going to have disputes. You know, sometimes they get displayed in the public. Sometimes they don't. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So people are, people are left to their own assumptions because they don't see you together. They don't see you performing together. They see one guy don't show up. They see two guys on stage. They see one guy doing Jodeci records by himself. You know, it's, that happens, man. It's just it's life. Mm -hmm. You know, doesn't mean we hate each other. We, we speak, you know, when, when, we, when it's necessary and... You know, there's never like, I never want to see you again. There's none of them type of vibes like that. Now, moving on to your solo career, you released your first solo album, April 7, 2000, Metamorphic. And um, what was the pro the production behind this in, in which you chose the title Metamorphic? Well, Metamorphic was, it's kind of like a word I made up. You know, if you know the word, really metamorphic. But, it, you know, I like to make it work sometimes, so... <laughs> Metamorphic with what it was. But, you know, I, I'm good friends with Madonna at the time. And, uh, you know, she had the label. And uh, and I was like, you know, hey, man, it'd be cool to put a record out. You know, because I knew it was going to be kind of different from the typical R&B. And most times people, when you go solo, people want to be like, oh, I want to sound like Jodeci. Don't sound like Jodeci. Well, I'm not Jodeci, so my album's not going to sound like Jodeci. You might have elements of Jodeci. But you're not gonna, it's not going to be a Jodeci record. So I wanted to go somewhere where it's going to be totally understanding that I'm not trying to make a Jodeci record because I'm not Jodeci. I, I'm one-fourth of this group. You know, that's the same thing with Casey and Jojo. You know, if you listen to Casey and Jojo's record, they don't sound like Jodeci. No, they don't. Record. It's different. You know, it's, it's different. You know, I'm sure if Devontae made a, a Jodeci record, even though he wrote 
you know, 80% of the records that produce them, they won't sound like a Jodeci record. You know, Jodeci is all four of us put together, so that's when you get Jodeci. But individually, whether it be a duo or, you know, me and Devontae individually, you're not going to get Jodeci. You're going to get Elements, maybe, but not Jodeci. So, um, you know, Metamorphic, I reached out to Tim and Bob, who, you know, I like their production, and Stevie J, who, who was a good friend of mine. And uh, we, I said, I'm going to make a solo record. I just go in the studio, have some fun, and make a record. And, you know, and that's just what it was. And though Maverick did not really have the means to put, you know, on, they didn't know how to really market the R&B or market me as a solo artist. And we kind of, you know, struggled with that. And uh, they left it in somebody's hands that really didn't do what they promised to do. And it kind of just went, you know, what it was. But it was a great experience for me. This, this is definitely a, a great solo album. Uh, personal favorite of this one, Long Day, More Than Friends. Uh, I can't help it, and I got that. There's definitely many styles and flows on this album. It, right. it, what are your personal favorites off this? I got that was my favorite song off that record. I got that. That's the yeah. first track off of the album. You started off with a bang, basically. Right. That was that was my favorite. Mm-hmm. But you know what? The, 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 the thing is, um, now that I'm moving forward, and I've grown a lot as far as like taking my time and and, and you know developing my style as far as the way I want to go because that album was it was overall my decision of what songs were used and what songs were chose but it wasn't really my vision of what I wanted to do as a solo album mm-hmm. you know not taking away because I love that album I love it don't get me wrong but it wasn't really 100% my creative direction I kind of just followed you know when people brought me hey Tim and Bobby give me this and I love the records and I love what Stevie J did and I love what I did but it wasn't overall what I wanted mm-hmm. so you know you know that that, that happens you know. Now, you, did you produce all the tracks on this album? No, uh-uh. Like I said, Tim and Bob did. Tim and Bob did Long Day, I Can't Help It. Uh, okay. Stevie Ray did More Than Friends, and Tim and, Bob, Tim and Bob did Not My Girl. I think the rest of them I did on that album. Yeah, definitely a great album. And when you go back to it and listen to it, along with the other Jodeci albums, it's timeless. And every album, like I said, has a different vibe to it in which people should definitely go take advantage of and listen to if they haven't already. And for music, recently, you, in 2017, you came out with Vindication, Get Money. Right. And um, now this was your first single that you released since 2000? That's it. Yeah, the very first single. That's, That's it. That's it. I recommend people to go check that out. That's on iTunes and all music platforms right now. Now, right. is there any um, new music that you may be coming out with soon or Jodeci may be well, working on? Absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm just, I'm being kind of tight-lipped about it, but yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Great. You know, people ask me all the time, when are y'all going to release some new music? When are you going to release some new music? You know, but now, <clears throat> the thing is, and I try to tell artists all the time, you can just put music out there, but there's no point in putting music out there if it's not going to be heard. Mm-hmm. So the most important thing, the most important thing for me right now is I want my music heard. I mean, I can put music out all day on iTunes. I got enough songs to put out probably for the next two or three years. But it, it means nothing to me if it's not going to be heard. And it's important to me if I have the right sort of platform where my music is going to be heard. So if you, you work very hard in the studio, and you want you want to be heard. Mm-hmm. I don't just make music for myself. I make it for the masses, people to hear. So if it's mm-hmm. not going to be heard, it's not going to be, you know promoted or put, uh, you know, or put out there, right? There's no need for me putting mm-hmm. it out just to be putting it out there singing out like saying I got a song out. That's, you know, that's not my thing. So. Mm-hmm. Just know that I'll listen. I appreciate it, man. <laughs> I'll listen. <laughs> okay, appreciate it. Yeah, we need good music out in uh, the airways again. 
Um, it would be refreshing to hear a new Jodeci record, a new solo album from you, because um, I think we definitely need more older artists to release more music so people remember, and if people see it come across on uh, music platforms, who's this? And if they don't know about it, they can go research, research the older work that they've done. Right. You know, you know but I, I think that a lot of artists, like from, you know, my generation or generation before me, they, they don't see the avenue where they could put out new music. And they're great artists that I see, and I have this conversation with all the time. He's like, man, I'm just going to tour off my old music. I'm like, you know, you still have the ability to make great songs. About I said in the studio, I heard great song after great song from artists. And it's like, you know, where where do I find the lane or where do I find the avenue to release this music to where it can be heard? So we'll be caught up in the trap music or caught up in, you know, what's going on right now. I'm like, you know, man, music that you make is timeless, so it really doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's going to find its lane. And I think that a lot of good artists or great artists are scared to just put out music and it, it becomes this music that we listen to around the house and just keep to ourselves because you don't want to... You want to... I mean, a lot of artists don't want to seem like, okay, I failed because I didn't, you know, hit these numbers or do this, get this many spins or this many views. And it's not that. It's just a different game in the music now. It's a whole different game. Mm-hmm. You know, so... That's just... Uh, that's, I think that's why you don't hear as many great artists as you might think, why they don't make records no more? Why they don't put music out? Not, not that they're not recording. It's that it's, it's frustrating when you put music out and you know it's good and it doesn't get hurt. That's mm. the most frustrating thing about making good music and good artists why they keep music to themselves. Mm-hmm. An, an example of a older artist from an old generation is Peebo Bryson. He released a great album recently, Stand For Love, and I, that, that was insane. Yeah. Right, That's you know, I, I was happy because I'm a good, I'm a big fan of the Gap Band, and Charlie Whistle for him to come back like he did was amazing to me. Yeah, that's right. You know, Charlie Whistle was one of my favorites. You know, for him to find a niche and, and jump back in, and you know, he's a lot older than us, and you know, he, the Gap Band was a huge influence on Guy, on Jodeci, on a lot of R&B singers, and, and the way they wrote and the, 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 the subject matters they wrote about. You know, and for him to come back and, and be one of the biggest selling. R&B artists, touring artists, and they have new music that's, you know, charting and on the radio. It's amazing to me. Mm. Yeah, Charlie Wilson is definitely one of the greats and influenced a lot of R&B artists. Mm -hmm. Now, on your record label, who were were the other artists that were on your record label? It was Guy, I believe, too, right? Are you talking about Uptown? Yeah, Uptown. You got Heavy D. Heavy D. Guy. But then you have, you know, that was a subsidiary of MCA, which had Bobby Brown, New mm-hmm. Edition, DVD, um, uh, Jody Wiley. I mean, the list goes on. Oh yeah, all the all the all the greats. All the greats, yeah. That's the reason that we took a trip to New York to want to get on Uptown MCA because all our favorite artists were, you know, recording artists on that label. And uh, we, everyone wants to congratulate. Well, me, I want to congratulate you for accomplishing that dream because you created great music for us. Appreciate it. Now, I heard that there's a Jodeci biopic in the works. Is that still going on? <laughs> oh man, uh, man, the mystery goes on. Um, well, you know, there, there's, let's just put it like this: there's a few offers on the table. There's a script that's been written. And mm. there's been talks, and there's been a lot of dialogue about this thing. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we have to cut through, and I'm just trying to talk without really saying, because I'm not, you know, I can't really say, but I can tell you this. There will be a Jodeci movie. 
Great. I promise you that. That's great news. Now, now, now the time, the timeline was supposed to be three years ago, but I guarantee you there will be a dope movie. That's great news. That's all I can really say about it. Because I know there was the new edition story and the right. Bobby Brown story. Now, will this be released on BET or VH1, or is this going to actually come out in that, theaters? That I, that I can answer. I, I, don't, I, don't, I really don't know. Okay. But, you know, there, there's a few offers on the table, and there's you know a lot of interest, and there's some dialogue. But what, what network or station, I really can't really mm-hmm. you know, say. I'm definitely looking forward to that because I've been waiting for. I've been saying that we need a Joe to see biopic, and I looked it up, right. and I, I've heard that there've been talks about it, rumors. So I'm, the, that the fact that there's definitely going to be one is definitely great news right. to me. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, people get impatient, you know, and and, and they ah, we want it yesterday, but you know, it's got to be done right. It's got to everything's got to be right. So once it's it once 100 percent right, there will be a great Joe to movie. There's a great story to be told and. A lot of facts that people are going to really probably be amazed and surprised about, you know, this group. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be one. So it has to be so. Mm-hmm. And it will be so. And Jodeci released, you guys got back together, did the album. Well, you were always together. You never broke up. But you came out and released the album, The Past, The Present, The Future, in 2015, I believe. Yes, it was in 2015. And this was definitely a great album. Now, what what were you trying to send message-wise like with this album? Well, um, I would say that was a, I wouldn't really call it a Jodeci album. I will call it a, a uh, concept of a Jodeci album. Mm-hmm. Jodeci to me was out created by Jodeci. Period. Mm-hmm. Um, there were, there were a lot of elements of Jodeci in the album, but it wasn't a Jodeci album. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, therefore, I really don't consider it a Josie album. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, uh, more like a, <laughs> and I don't want to say this, but it's more like a mixtape. You know, <laughs> not sounding too hard. It's more like a mixtape. You know, that has mm-hmm. elements of Josie on it. So. Uh, you had the song "Nobody Wins" with Bob. Right. Now, what was it like working with Bob? Okay. Uh, so one of the award shows, and we got to meet him. You know, he, he, you know, he came in to did his verse, but we wasn't present when he did it. And you know, I think his verse was amazing on that song. Like I said, it was more like to me, it's more like a mixtape. You know, mm-hmm. that contained elements of Jodeci. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not saying it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a great concept. It was a great concept for what it was trying to do. But as far as the Jodeci album, you know, what if you don't have 100 percent of Jodeci, you don't really have a Jodeci album to me. Mm-hmm. Now, what's your views from hip-hop from your generation of now? What are the things that you like about this generation and some of the things that you may not like about this generation of R&B? Um, well, I think R&B has taken on a, what R&B was to me, or is to me, is considered something different now, you know. Mm-hmm. It's different to me. To me, Drake is a rapper. He's not R&B. But although he sings, he's a, he's a rapper to me, so... I mean, it's hard to say what, what, what they consider R&B now. I don't really know. It's not the same as what we consider R&B years ago. You know, so even rap is not the same as we consider rap now. But, you know, it works for the listeners of today. That's what works for them. But what works for me is, I think, lyrical content, you know, mm-hmm. is more my thing. You know, they, I think 
generation say they like more of a, uh, you know, more of the beat and more of catchy hooks and everything. But, you know, you know, we listen to hip-hop. We listen to every line. We would quote lines. And it was, you know, metaphorically just, a, you know, a genius. You know, now it's like, you know, okay, well, if they said this, that's cool, you know. And But the beat is dope, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, I don't, I don't down it. Like, it's, it is what it is. I mean, I find myself, you know, you know, moving to a lot of the records. I can't tell you what artists are, are who, because a lot of them sound alike, but, you know, it's <laughs> you know. Yeah. Sometimes you can't tell who's who, but it is what it is. Who are your personal favorites from the day? And or even ones that you would consider working with, if possible? Uh, like I got to say, I got to say Drake, like, as far as, like, okay. my favorites, if we're talking hip-hop. I, like, I actually like the Migos, too. I like the Migos. Really? Okay. Yeah, I, like, I like the Migos. Um, you know, uh, I guess Gucci Mane, he's cool. Mm-hmm. He's cool. Uh, Cardi B, definitely. I like Cardi B. Um, I don't know, man. You know, it's just a few more. Mm-hmm. Now, what's your take on hip-hop from your generation, the 90s? Which, to me, 90s R&B, 90s hip-hop was the most dominant. This era, like R&B, I can listen to today. Hip-hop, for me, it's so hard because like the whole mumble rap, Thing it's so hard for me to listen to because I prefer all the lyrical content. Well, that's what yeah, that's what I was just saying. Like that's what I prefer. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't knock them, and you know I, I don't think I could ever get into the whole mumble rap thing. Although you know I like like I said I like Migos. I like you know because I find myself listening to like let me just you know see what the phenomenon is with the Migos and, and they're actually they're actually lyricists you know mm-hmm. and you know they they change the style because it it throws me off with the whole auto tune thing because some of these guys are actually real lyricists they mm-hmm. say like. You know, some of the metaphors are really good. It's, you, you get caught up in the auto-tunes and stuff, so sometimes it's hard to really understand what they're saying, so you just find yourself mumbling with them. Mm-hmm. But if you really take down a dissect some of the lyrical content, it's really actually good. Mm-hmm. But so, like, to me, you know, hip-hop back then, it was, it was no auto-tunes. It was just straight raw to the record. And so it, it was easy to, to comprehend the lyrical content, you know, like from a rock came on Big Daddy Kane, LL Cool J, you know, you know, KRS-One. It was easy to, to listen to yeah. words and and be like, damn, man, he just said that. Now it's hard to really hear what they're saying because it's, you know, all the, 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 the effects on their voices and auto tunes and blah, blah, blah. So it's hard to really make it a lyrical thing. So now it's more like the beat. And mm-hmm. the, the difference between other R&B groups and Jodeci was that Jodeci kind of like embodied, like, like they had that hip hop style, like even like your fashion. Like you had the hip hop style and with the smooth R&B, like you were, what would Multi-diverse. Right. I mean, like, you know, like, to me, we, we made it a conscious effort to not feel like we were untouchable artists. We wanted, we wanted to be cool, like, 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 like regular dudes on the street. We dressing like this. We wear jeans like you. We wear, the, you know, hoodies. We wear, like, the, the army jackets, you know, jag our pants, you know. We got the jewelry, like, the drug dealers on the corner. You know, we, we, we wanted to appeal to everybody that didn't feel like, oh, they untouchable. We can't, you know, whatever, whatever with them. You know, we just... Like we just the regular niggas in the street, you know what I'm saying? Mm. That's just what we wanted to come across as. But we sung love songs. We sung songs that make you want to, you know, to feel good, and, you know, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Now, who who are your your some of your favorite R and B artists and hip hop artists from back in the day, from the '90s, your generation? I mean, to me, <laughs> to be honest, man, I ain't gonna lie. It was just us. It was us. It was us mm-hmm. against everybody. 
it was more like it was more like it was more like a, a sport, you know. Yeah. I mean, we we felt like you know it's, it's kind of like a boxing. Not to sound cocky, like it was like you know we was like the Floyd Mayweather of the '90s, you know. Mm-hmm. We ain't gonna get beat. We put out a song, but we know we better. Mm-hmm. You know, you put out this record, you got like a little singer, but we got a record. You mm-hmm. know, that's just how we felt. Not taking nothing away from anybody. So, I mean, like Silk and H Town, we all I'm all good friends with all of these, but it's like when we were in the studio, it was I mean the gloves was off. It wasn't like, hey man, that's mm-hmm. gonna make a record because we're outshining nobody. No, we're going to the studio and we're gonna crush everybody. <laughs> we're releasing. That's how we felt. And you know, it, you know, we were the Mike Tyson of, of the nineties. Period. I agree. You know, and that's the way we looked at it. And, and we're gonna help. We're gonna keep this title. We ain't gonna just hand it to nobody. You want this title? Come take it. You want to be the baddest, the bad boys, or the baddest in arms? Come take this title if you can. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't I don't think they came and uh, took that title. <laughs> no, I mean, but you know, and, and it's, it's not saying that I'm taking anything from anybody else. No, no, not at all. And I just felt like that to me, there wasn't anybody else. There wasn't anybody else. I mean, I like I like certain songs by certain artists, but to me, if you want to ask me the baddest R&B group of all time, I'm gonna say Delta Queen. I'm sure anybody in any other group gonna say the same thing about their group. So that was just how I felt about it. Mm-hmm. Now, getting back to. Uh, music coming soon. Could we expect this sooner than later, within uh, a year or two? Or oh, you can expect something this year. This year, wow. Because I knew um, Casey was and JoJo. They're working on some music too. I don't know if that's their solo albums or if the Casey and JoJo thing or if it's Jodeci in general. I'm not 100 percent sure. Well, it's not Jodeci. I can, I can tell you that. Okay. Um, yeah, not Jodeci. Uh, you know, like I said, I mean, you don't. I think that. Uh, Everybody individually got to explore and, and, you know, find themselves and, and get get it, you know, just do what they want to do and feel themselves and, and understand. Because when you come back together as a group and, and go in the studio and record a Jodeci record, it's a Jodeci record. It's not a KC project. It's not a Mr. Down project. It's not a JoJo project. It's not a Devontae Swing project. It's a Jodeci project. Mm-hmm. So let's get it out the system. Do what you're going to do, and, you know. And, and we all wish, wish, uh, wish success, uh, success on each, you know, each and every one of us. So it's like, you know, man, I hope you do this. I come on stage and jump on stage with you, blah, blah, blah. We do a Jodeci little record and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just how we do. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like everybody needs to explore what they feel and get their creative, you know, energy out there individually. You have to do that sometimes in the group. You know, you have to. Mm. So. I agree. Now, yeah. being a producer, what were your f- favorite songs that you produced for the group, your personal favorites? I think Give Me All You Got uh, Won't Waste You Like I Said it's on our second album mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, I arranged the beat of stage and you and I on Some of My Ladies so and that's why I was just making beats or whatever but you know uh, on the third album uh, More mm-hmm. uh, Get On Up definitely that, that's, that was your favorite off of the album Get On Up Actually, it, was, it wasn't my favorite. It was one of my favorites. One of your favorites. When, uh, but the one favorite one I produced, I think, was more. Mm-hmm. Just cre- creatively how I... I'm more talking about a creative standpoint of how I made the, the record, so... Mm-hmm. So. Now, um, this, this I, I, always, I also cover sports on this show. Now, being from... You were uh, born in Virginia, moved to North Carolina, moved to New York. What sports teams do you root for? Um, well, I was, I was a Chicago Bulls fan because I was a Michael Jordan fan. Okay. Um, 
I think the, the Hornets were just coming to Charlotte when I was kind of on my way out, so I didn't really get into the Hornets. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now I'm an OKC fan. I like Russell Westbrook. Okay. Paul George, so, yeah. Okay. How about uh, baseball or football or? Not really a big baseball fan, but football, I've been a Dallas Cowboy, and I know I probably don't get all kind of hate. No, know. no, I, I'm a Jet yeah, fan, so you're not yeah, going to get hate from me. I've been a Cowboy since I was like four years old, man. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're you're not going to yeah, get. I'm big, I'm, big, I'm big into sports, basketball, football. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I usually ask all my artists what their favorite teams are, but you're not going to get any hate from me from the Cowboys. My my hate's for the Patriots. Now, I also wanted to ask you a question. Where do you see R&B heading in the future? Um, Where do you think it's I heading? Think, I think ultimately everything is on a everything is like a everything goes into 360 everything goes round and round you know you you know even from fashion to everything that's retro becomes new again mm-hmm. and I think that the, the style of R&B music that people you know want to hear the big harmonies the, the, the love song I think it'll 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 resurface and, and take center stage again I hope it does I mean because I mean like you look at you look at music where it is now and music only stands still for, for a certain amount of time everybody's jumped on the same wave you know once that wave is over it, re- it revolves like a door and it comes back to you know what we once knew but it's maybe a new face that leads it or a new face that sparks it off you know and, and, but it comes back around so I think that the big harmonies the love songs the blah 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 I think, it, I think it'll come back around so like I said what, what, what retro becomes new again all the time I hope I hope for this case that you're right because I've been saying the same thing. I hope R&B makes that comeback and goes back to what it was from your generation because that's my favorite. That's my favorite R&B. That's what I listen to. Well, I don't think I don't think it'll go back to what to you know what it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it'll be done new, but mm-hmm. it'll be the same feelings is what I'm trying to say. You'll yeah, the same feeling of the feeling that you got back in the nineties. Mm-hmm. I think that'll come back around. It won't be the actual same thing, but. I think it'll be something new, but it'll give you that feeling where music felt good, you know, where, where it made you a certain kind of way. I think that's what I mean by, you know, retro becomes new again. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with what you're saying, and I definitely like to see where R&B is heading right now. Right. And uh, anything else that you want to add or say anything on this interview? Well, just look out for new music from Mr. Dobbins, from Jodeke, from Casey, from JoJo, from Devontae. And, you know, all everybody, you know, from the nineties, even, you know, great artists that, that you like and that you still like. Mm. You know, give them encouraging to, to put out new music. You know, if you support whatever artist you support, like new or old, encourage them to put out new music. Yeah. As, as fans, even I do it sometimes. Like when I run the artist, like, you know, put something out new. Man, you dope and blah blah blah. You know, try to encourage each other and fans, you know, that goes a long way just to hear one or two encouraging words from you know, from fans that put out something new I'm waiting I'm waiting and that encourages you to go and as long as you know somebody's still listening and you still got an ear you know that, that, that's tuned into what you're doing and interested in what you're doing it, it goes a long way you know it does and um, I'm looking forward to the new music that you have coming on Appreciate out soon it. and uh, I want to thank you for calling into the show tonight I really appreciate it absolutely and uh, 
grant me this great interview in which I learned a lot of stuff about you, Joe, to see. And um, I definitely want to keep in touch. And if you're ever in the area, if you want to stop by for an in-person interview, Queens, New York, I, we'd be more than happy to have you here. I definitely keep in touch. And uh, um, like I said, when, I, when I'm going to drop something new, I'll definitely hit you up and, you know, get it to you. I'll get your email and let you hear it first. And, you know, we'll go from there, man. And we'll vibe when I'm on the East Coast. And I'll reach out to you. Yeah, no, if any case, like any scenario, I'll reach out to you as well. And um, if you if you want me to put the record on air here, I'll drop it right on air here. If Absolutely. you give me the go, I, I'll be more than willing to do that. Please, we need okay. great music on the airways. <laughs> Absolutely, I got you. Yep, yeah. Mr. Dalvin, thank you for calling in the night. And okay. uh, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Yep, no doubt. Thank you. Okay. Have a good one. You too. All right. Bye. Bye. Now that was Mr. Dalvin from one of the greatest. R&B groups of all time known as Jodeci hit after hit just ultimate classics by Jodeci and I want you to be on the lookout for his upcoming music Jodeci's upcoming music even a biopic is on the way stay tuned his Instagram at Mr.Dalvin Twitter Mr.Dalvin so that people can go check out his page and see what's coming soon. And whatever he's dropping, we will be having him on the show again. More than happy to. Great guy. Gave, very humbled. Gave a really good interview tonight, which I learned a lot. And stuff I didn't learn about the group, especially that Forever My Lady part. I did not know that that was the Jodeci interlude. Because Forever My Lady, classic song. We can go on all day how great that song was. Up at 9.30 coming, we have 90s legend hip-hop MC from the Flip Mode Squad, Rampage, calling in on the phone lines to discuss his older albums as well as his newer work, upcoming work, everything. The Flip Mode Squad contained Rampage, Busta Rhymes, and Rampage is also the cousin of Busta Rhymes. So when he calls in at 9.30, you know what it is. I'm going to close out with a break right now playing Long Day off at Dalvin's first album Metamorphic and stay tuned and we will be back on air stay tuned why don't you come over I got something for you
You know what's funny? It's like the girl that you really least expect to end up with. <laughs>